0: Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. My name is David Breer and in today's episode we're going to be talking about innovation in the buy now pay later product sense. Uh, most people think huge players in this place when they think about Klarna and Afterpay, but increasingly what we're seeing is more and more specialised providers entering into the market uh, and in new geographies all over the world. And what we wanted to do was revisit the topic and find out a little bit more about where innovation is really coming from. Before we get started though, we want to tell you about some of the awesome things we've been up to 11FS, and hear a quick word from our sponsors.
1: Temenos is the world's leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks serve over 1.2 billion people. Our purpose is to make banking better. Together with our community, we make banks more successful, individuals better banked, and society better served. With our software, banks can create more human, differentiated digital experiences, hyper-efficient business models to benefit the bank and their customers, and simplify and transform their back office. Our clients are the highest performing banks with cost-income ratios which are twice better than the industry average. Learn more at temenos.com.
0: Introducing the Truly Digital Manifesto. If you're not truly digital already, well, you're missing out on a massive opportunity. Faster processes, more customer value, and higher revenues. It's not the future. It's already happening. So how do you measure up? Head over to trulydigital.elevenfs.com to see what it really means to be truly digital. Doki, let's get on with the show. Uh, I'm not alone, as always. I'm joined by my colleague Amy Gavin, who is a senior strategist at 11FS. How are you doing, Amy?
1: Very well, thank you. Excited to be here.
0: Well, I was just a, a, off off air, admiring your headset. Like uh, you, you borrowed your your boyfriend's gaming headset. You said, didn't you? And it is a is a thing of beauty, I have to say.
1: An impressive headset for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how's your um, How's your week been?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been good. Thank you. Um, enjoyed a nice sunny weekend here in London. So feeling refreshed. And, and ready for the week ahead.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, it's been, been very quickly met with drizzle, like as only English people really can connect with. But uh, but yeah, we we remember the sunshine over the weekend, don't we? Anyway, we can we can put, bring this up on Weather Insider, can't we, rather than Fintech Insider. Let's move on to what we were meant to be talking about. So uh, as always, uh, we're joined by some super duper awesome guests. And um, what we'll do is introduce them and then come back to you, Amy, for a bit of a view on on Pay later, because it's something that you've been uh, covering a lot at 11FS. So making his Fintech Insider debut, we have Arad Levitov, who is the CEO and co-founder at Sunbit. How are you doing today, Arad? I'm good, David. Thanks. Great to be here. No problem. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sunbit and how you guys differ from regular Buy Now, Pay Later
2: products. Oh, sure. Thank you. So we, we are based in the U.S. and uh, our idea is to focus on necessary services. So we basically bring the technology of Buy Now, Pay Later to where people need it. And usually it's a surprise um, expenses So something like Calipair healthcare, like dental or eyewear uh, professionals. So that's where we are. Um, instead of the traditional old-fashioned credit cards, they can, uh, in 30 seconds, get the buying letter, and we are able to approve 9 out of 10 people
0: very good it ain't just for shoes is it buy now, pay later is uh, uh, it's sort of integrating into all of these different areas isn't it so we'll, we'll definitely come back and discuss that much much more and also making his fintech insider debut we're joined by timothy davis who is the ceo and co-founder over at butter.co.uk how's it going timothy
3: yeah all good thank you very happy to be here
0: very good uh tell us a little bit more about butter
3: Yeah, sure. So at Butter, uh, we're taking a slightly different approach to traditional BMPL. And probably what you think of uh, when you think about regular BMPL is going to be that integrated option at the checkout on a retailer's website. So a customer goes shopping, gets to the checkout and is offered the option to pay later instead of paying now. Uh, It's kind of an ancillary to the sale, bolted on at the end. What we're doing at Butter, what we've seen and, and what we've always felt is that BMPL is something much more powerful than that. Rather than being an afterthought, BMPL is actually a primary consideration in our view for many consumers Uh, when making certain transactions. And this means that as BMPL providers, we have the power to play a much larger role in the overall shopping experience, much more than just being an an add on at the end. So we're building uh, a suite of BMPL products designed to simplify and enhance the entire shopping journey from browsing and discovery, right through to payment and after sales service, uh, without us having to do a single checkout integration. So we run what's known as the over the top model or the virtual card model, uh, which leverages existing payment networks like Visa and MasterCard in order to avoid the requirement for the integration of the checkout with retailers you want to give your customers access to. So what this means is customers can start and end their journey as they're doing already today inside the butter universe. And that obviously comes with many advantages and opportunities both for us as butter and the customer, which are simply not possible if you are a payment method at the checkout.
0: Very good. Uh, I love the idea of the Butter Universe as well. It's a buy now, pay later product, Butter Universe, and an extensive collection of swag as well. I'm loving that hoodie. Uh, we'll get onto that uh, a little bit later on, I'm sure, more. Uh, I mean, Amy, just to kind of give you the give you the mic, I mean, buy now, pay later, it's something that I know a lot of people are coming to us going, what do we do? So, uh, And you've been uh, front and centre of all the, a lot of these conversations. How are you thinking about the industry right now?
1: Sure. I mean, it's an incredibly exciting space and As you say, we at 11FS are getting a lot of requests from clients across the world, really, for insights and guidance around how to approach it and what the rise of the industry actually means for them. But my view is that although the concept of buying something now and paying for it later is not new, what is new is this explosion in super slick, fully digital, almost aspirational BNPL solutions that are really transforming the way that consumers are buying and, and paying for things and also transforming how merchants are able to sell things as well. So along with the the huge players like Afterpay and Klarna that you've mentioned, we've seen a lot of smaller niche players emerge to offer solutions and, and big brands like PayPal or the Apple and Goldman collaboration who've, jumped on the bandwagon with um, with BMPL services of their own, which will make for some really interesting innovation in the space, I'm sure. So looking forward to discussing it all in in more detail today. Well
0: maybe if we we stick with you then, Amy and, and sort of get us going into that that sense then. I, I mean uh, Later has just exploded <laughs> it really has exploded in terms of popularity and that's not just popularity of you know fintechs coming in and, and creating as as you guys have done created businesses around it um but really with customers as well like is this a is this a case in you know solve a real customer problem and and scale comes with it
1: yeah, I think I think what's exciting on the customer side is the experience because these products really are just designed to be as frictionless as possible and there are a lot of things that are incorporated into a lot of these buy now pay later services that that are making them very interesting for consumers. So so things like rewards and offers that you might get through using this service to pay for certain products or the fact that you that you can shop via the app. Um, so it's all quite exciting, and and the way that there's such minimal effort required to sign up for these products and complete an application versus a lot of other credit products like a credit card or like a loan. So I think on the customer experience side, this focus on on slick and frictionless is is something that's really made them surge in popularity over the last year or so. Hmm. I mean, Arad, have you seen from,
0: I guess, the other side of that, not just the customers, but the brands that are really leaning into and leveraging buy now, pay later. I mean, arguably, the sort of engagement that can, the there's almost brand loyalty that can be brought through uh, giving customers these types of options must be an advantage.
2: No, of course it is an advantage. Think about it, and, and we work, as I mentioned, a lot with, uh, with the car repair, for example. So think about a uh, Honda or Kia, that spend a lot of money to get the customer into the store to sell them the car and then a year later the customer needs to come and fix the car and sometimes it is a surprise for the customer they want to get the sale to sell as much as they can they want the customer to be happy as well they don't want to get a customer into extra fees and get into the customer into too much of a debt so with this buy now pay later they are happy to leverage it and really get the win win. I mean, they can sell the parts and services, the customer is happy, the customer will come back when they need to fix the car again. And it really win for them, win for the customer, and win even for the we call it the advisor, the person who walks in the store and is have the connection with the customer and make them happy, you know, all over.
0: Yeah. I mean as a just as a from a psychological perspective, the you know, rational versus emotional I mean, it works on both levels, right? You know, it's very rational because I'm not paying any more, and I why would I not do it? But I do want those things now, so the emo- you know it works on all trigger levels, doesn't it? Uh, Tim, how about yourself? Have you have you seen the the sort of brand loyalty side of things be a a driver for people wanting to engage with Buy Now Pay Later products?
3: Yeah, so I think uh, we at Butter probably have a slightly different perspective on things because we are direct consumer, so we're not partnering with retailers in order to to drive uh, traffic and they're not reliant on us for converting their sales so i think from our point of view we're seeing a lot of loyalty as a bmpl provider and i think that's probably where things are going in the future because it's almost becoming too prolific as an offering now to be a real competitive advantage for individual retailers the majority i'd say of retailers are getting to a point in terms of the big guys anyway, that are offering this at the checkout. And there's also additional services over the top solutions like like Butter and others that give access to buy now, pay later to customers in that way as well. So I don't think retailers will be able to rely on this as a source of competitive advantage uh, going forward. But I think what they can do is partner with brands like Butter who have got those loyal customers. And by having a close relationship with the BNPLs, They can look to get some advantage that way through distribution of offers or content and things like that.
0: Hmm. it's interesting isn't it and arida as you said earlier on the uh you know this trend is moving from you know it's not just uh shops that are selling you know a couple of hundred pound shoes or something it's it's moving to much more aspirational product sets as as, as well so i mean where do you think the limits of this potentially are is this a is this almost a um you know user-led control over how payments or the immediacy of of buying goods whether it's you know a kitchen or some veneers you know it could be it uh, could be anything that people sort of pick up these teeth are real by the way they're not veneers so i just want to point that out
2: so the way i think about it i mean look at the way we we, we get media right now i mean now we have podcasts, right we're in a podcast right now which wasn't there like uh, 10 years ago we used to only read newspaper maybe it's on paper or maybe it's even like internet and it's changed all over right news the way the way you communicate with people so when you think about financial services Many of the things are still, I would say, stuck with a credit card. And when you look at credit card, there is the old-fashioned ability to apply for credit card, which, by the way, in the US and also in the UK, only about 50-60% of the people would actually qualify for a good credit card. And on the top of it, um, they're gonna, they are going have to pay uh, fees and um, and non-transparent interest, compound interest. And and the and pay letter brings transparency, personalization, and speed for the consumer. And eventually everybody wants to do it. I mean, both the consumers and the uh call it the merchant or the, the big brands. They want the consumer to be happy. So I think that eventually it will go more and more to everyday purchases, to everything we do. Um, I think that the credit cards will have to react and be more transparent and more personalized. And you see, it too, as uh, Amy said, with Apple and Goldman Sachs, I mean, this is a credit card that Goldman Sachs, has, and now they are getting more transparency. So eventually, I will. I think biometric is the future of credit.
0: And and how does it change in terms of a model? Uh, I mean, obviously, when we're starting to talk about larger ticket items and you know different types of purchases, I mean, how does the model have to to evolve to 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 really sort of work in that way for for those types of products?
2: So it's it's a lot about machine learning and underwriting and the ability to to get all the information and make the right decision. Uh, for example, that's what we do at Sunbit. We are able to really assess. Each consumer to the specific purchase, and as a consumer, if you go to fix your car or you go to the dentist or you even buy something online, you will get a different offer because we know this is used for different purchases. And when you go to larger transactions, and instead of um, four weeks or six weeks, you have to pay in like two years. Yeah, you need to you need to have the credit assessment and underwriting to make the decision and. More and more uh, providers will learn how to do it over time.
0: Yeah, and I was joking about teeth, but you guys literally do offer a product which is you know focused on people getting dental care. I mean, how how does that work with buy now pay later? Is it about to your point around aspiration? It's about people being able to get the care that they need now, but paying for it later, essentially. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know think about it when you go to the dentist a lot of time you come for cleaning and then you have a cavity or you come for a cavity and you have two cavities or you have a root canal and uh, you really want to get it done you spend the time you go there it sometimes hurts for you and you and you really want to, to do it um, so the the solution that are available for the last 20 30 years is really okay you got a root canal let's go to the side let's Give us your uh, information. How much do you make? Where do you live? And then, um, and then eventually one out of two will get approved and pay a lot of fee for it. And what we develop, we think about the same the same technology that Amy was talking about in the buy-and-pay letter. Then within literally 30 seconds we do it, we scan the driver license of the customer. And with the click of a button we get all the information and is able to approve nine out of ten people and really split the purchase over payments, whether it's like three, six or twelve or sometimes go up to eighteen or twenty-four for the dentist. So the customer can get what they need right now, really get the care And come over and and pay over time and also the the doctor the dentist will be able to get the work done because the customer already came did the x-ray and you want to take care of the customer so it's really a win-win and transparency And for each customer the personalized interest rate will give him a better option compared to what he or she has in the pocket in their uh, wallet
0: Mm. it's interesting i mean amy do you you sort of see this then as the is that sort of evolutionary step from dumb credit cards to to more uh, sort of these intelligent services as we sort of describe them is is that where you sort of see this being almost um creation of a new category isn't it
1: yeah that's an that's interesting and i think um the point you just made there Arad, about um personalization as well and i think that's where a lot of these firms do really well particularly in their apps is that they're personalizing the brands that they're targeting you with and and the whole experience is personalized around where you've shopped previously, the sort of things that you're interested in and therefore it kind of feels a lot more tailored to you than maybe using a credit card or, or other sorts of examples. I think rather than being an evolutionary step and rather than being a replacement, I think something that's quite interesting is this idea of maybe buy now, pay later providers and credit card companies actually working together. Because if you think about the way that you would use Klarna, it has to have a a card in the back of it. And that can be a credit card, Um, which is interesting in itself, the idea that you can delay the payment twice. But in that sense, credit card companies and buy-now-pay-later providers, although, of course, credit card companies are terrified of this idea of of buy-now-pay-later providers exploding, I think they are not necessarily direct competitors and actually there are opportunities for them to work together. So yes, an evolution, but not necessarily a replacement of credit cards with buy-now-pay-later solutions.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, when you start looking at the, you know, the economics of credit cards, it's like 2% of the book make all the money for the provider, but they make all the money for the provider because they can't pay the loan off. You know, they're essentially, you know, revolving credit and continually move. You've downward spiral there, aren't they? You know, arguably... Buy now, pay later is a, a fairer system for everybody across the piece because there's a balance there between the customer and the merchant in terms of that setup, isn't it? So it is uh, it is intriguing. I mean, Tim, like what you guys have done at, at Butter is very similar to what somebody like Klarna has, has done, I, I guess, with, with what they did with Sweden with their their virtual credit cards, that sort of manifestation of a, a financial instrument without necessarily having to provide the the physicality behind it as well. Tell us a little bit more about that just to, just to kind of unpack it.
3: Yeah, sure. So how our product actually works uh, from a customer standpoint is you come inside the Butter Shopping app. So we're starting with the discovery and browsing portion of shopping and you actually shop inside the app. Uh, You shop as normal, so you find whatever it is. You're looking for shoes or uh, a bike. You go to the checkout. uh, And because we're controlling the browser within that app, the pay with butter button is embedded in the browser itself instead of on the checkout. So it's always accessible to the customer on any website uh, that they go to. They simply tap that button and then they're presented with a menu of payment plans. One thing that we've... Done. One of our differentiating factors is we're offering more flexibility than people like Klarna. So Klarna are offering uh, you know, up to three months with that virtual card product. The average for BNPL BMPL in the UK is the average plan is four payments over six weeks. And within our shopping app, you can actually get 10 payments over nine months. So it's offering significantly more flexibility. But what happens anyway then? The customer chooses the plan that they're looking for we spin up a virtual card and we actually then inject those card details directly into the checkout that they're on. So they don't even need to fill that in. They check out using that card, the retailer gets paid, uh, the customer receives their order, and then they repay us back according to the schedule that they've chosen um, a few moments ago.
0: Interesting. I mean, it's it's a a fascinatingly evolving space, isn't it? And, and obviously one that, um, you know, Tim, Arad, it's not just uh, you guys and not just, you know, the Klaners. There is the the big incumbent organisations are, are sort of seeing an opportunity here, uh, arguably, you know, as as the the market has become more and more successful. So, I mean, we've seen Commonwealth Bank uh, of Australia dipped its toe into this sector. We've seen Barclays is now partnered with Amount.com, who are the guys who were behind the buy now, pay later for the peloton i believe city has jumped into this space i mean we're seeing lots and lots of the the big incumbents amy sort of coming back into this market i mean do you think this is essentially people following where the money is because there's a lot of there's a lot of revenue there's a lot of profit being made in this space or is this just a um you know dad at the disco slightly in terms of the old products being rebadged in new ways
1: yeah i think um one thing that that these brands are probably keen to jump on is the fact that a lot of buy now pay later brands they've they've managed to really successfully cultivate this sort of association with aspiration as well and I think if if you're a paypal or you're an apple well apple's got it already (laughs) but maybe maybe a more traditional brand like paypal a Klarna or an Afterpay they're masters of marketing and they've managed to form these really strong retail partnerships and and come across as being pretty cool brands really so associated with this buy now pay later space is potentially something that yes it is attracting people into it because because clearly consumers are there they're into it and they're excited by it yeah i mean it's interesting
0: isn't it as we you know we sort of the similarities that we sort of draw between credit cards credit cards gives you a a very financial services bucket of risk you know adjusted credit you know and it's like well that's there's nothing very aspirational about that, is there? You know what I mean? Like, uh, as aspirational as it was, was a uh, maybe a platinum one of it or a gold one of it. But actually, when you're trying to really solve a problem, the the, exactly as you say those brands are aligning themselves to solving real problems for consumers which you know now that we're starting to see in the way that we did with payments in the you know back in the day you know venmo is a verb isn't it you know if you venmo it, it like in the same way as like clanering it is now and that that's almost becoming something in the psyche of the consumer at the end of that experience isn't it so it's not really about lending it's not really about the financial services product it's exactly that you say it's a aspirational brand that enables you to to really do a thing doesn't it
1: and the fact that many of these providers don't charge late fees gives them a really strong marketing message versus other loan products like a credit card provider that they're then able to use to sort of draw in consumers
0: yeah well there's always a there's always a there's always a but isn't there Uh, and we'll come back to the but just after the sponsorship break which is all about innovation and regulation unfortunately so we'll be back in a second there is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with Deal. Everything from contract creation, record keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit Let's Deal forward slash 11FS. That's Let's Deal, D-E-E-L. Dot .com forward slash 11 and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and 20% for your first year when you hire an employee. The banking industry has lots of baggage. So, well, we've been thinking, what if you could build a bank from scratch? Join us and some very special guests as we hit a reset button. Our latest After Dark virtual live podcast recording takes place on Wednesday, the 15th of September. Head to bit.ly forward slash fi That's bit.ly forward slash fi To sign up now, you definitely won't want to miss this one. Okay, so the buy-now-pay-later industry has been under a bit of scrutiny, though. Um, it's not all getting stuff quickly and not having to pay for it immediately. Um, it's been called out for not properly being regulated. In fact, actually, I think some of the big players have actually come out and said, hey, we need some more regulation in this space as well, to be fair. Um, in this section, what we're going to be looking at doing is going to... Uh, look at how buy pay providers work with the regulators and how best they support the regulations with their decisions. So buy-now-pay-later is um, not really particularly regulated in the UK right now. So, I mean, what is quite interesting is almost the self-regulation that's being put in there ahead of the regulators really coming uh uh, coming along as we sort of said as with really any new product the buy now pay later industry um can explode and then come under a bit more scrutiny as many more millions of people start to use these things so i mean why do you guys think people seem to have a a bigger issue with buy-now-pay-later than really other types of financial services products that we've come to the market. I mean, Tim, there seems to be more scrutiny around this than other slices of financial services. Why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is just due to the speed at which the industry has scaled, right? It's become very huge uh, very quickly. And like you say, it is currently the majority of it is outside the scope of the regulator, uh, not all of it. So, for example, we've been regulated by the FCA since we launched. And so, what you can deduce from that is it is a choice for buy now, pay later companies to either be regulated or not. If they choose not to be regulated, it means that customers have you know, less recourse in the event of unaffordable or unscrupulous lending. And if they choose to be regulated, it means they have to comply with certain bits and pieces from the FCA around affordability and and how you treat customers and things like that and I think that affordability uh, question is what is going to be really interesting to watch unfold as this regulation comes in because it as you mentioned I think at the top of the show there are some really really seamless journeys out there at the moment for taking out credit in some cases with buy now pay later companies it's you've actually got the credit before you know that you've agree to it because it's so slick, which is great from a lending perspective if your goal is to get as much money out the door as quickly as possible. Um but from an affordability perspective, there's just no way that you can have that smooth of a journey and also do the necessary assessments on your customers to understand if they can actually afford what they're borrowing. So I think the regulator's probably going to take a pretty close look at that and we might see a bit of a reversal in terms of uh, working towards, you know, the smoothest possible journey and a- actually adding a bit of friction back in to be able to comply and lend responsibly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting isn't it? There's always um, affordability and suitability, right? And affordability is super super important in that, but as you say so is suitability. I mean, particularly if you don't know you're, you know, essentially taking out a lending product because the experience is so is so frictionless that uh, you know, even the uh, the awareness of it is uh, is sort of difficult to th- Set. I mean, Arid, what what do you think? I mean, why do you think Buy Now Pay Later is attracting so much attention? Is it just because of how much of a, you know, it's kind of really tapped into the zeitgeist from a customer's perspective that actually it is exploded as the the way that a generation is really sort of purchasing things? Is that, do you think, why the… So so much scrutiny is uh, being placed on it.
2: Uh, I think you you, you, you touched this point right. Uh, customers are growing. This is a this is a growing. The friction lens is so uh, unique and. Um, and the technology is so there, so the regulators want to make sure that uh, the customer is protected, that it's not too easy to take money, that at the end of the day, even if you take debt, even if you don't pay interest, you take some debt and you need to pay it back. And I think it's uh, it's good to have the right amount of regulation, which one, will protect the, the, the end customer, uh, and two, will make sure that the player, uh, are the right player, they're doing it accordingly uh, to the customer's benefit. Hmm. It's going to
0: be interesting, isn't it, Amy, on, on both of Tim and, and Arad's points, the the sort of um, awareness of customers of the purchase of a financial product. You know, actually, that that's a, a hard thing to measure, isn't it, in terms of the the setup around it. But do you think there's an element here of, I mean, how simple it is? Do customers really understand the, the level of risk that they take on when they go through these types of purchase processes?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of customers might not even see it as a form of credit because it's often framed at the checkout to be more like a payment method. So it's perceived more like a PayPal or an Apple Pay. And also it can often be the default option at checkout. So you could end up using it by accident and because it's pre-filled all your information, suddenly you've paid for something or, or like Tim said, suddenly you've got access to credit and you weren't even really aware. And I think often when signing up for such products, there's not as much scrutiny around it as if you were signing up for a credit card or were signing up for a loan. And actually, interestingly, because we've done quite a lot of this analysis in, in recent projects, but it's somehow just all of that information that you'd expect. So say, for example, the implications of not making a payment or potential for late fees or what happens if you miss a payment a lot of that information is really buried in the terms and conditions, and you could absolutely miss that if you were signing up for it. So I think that's that's why regulation needs to catch up in this area, and and that's why I think so much scrutiny is being placed on it at the moment.
0: Well, it, and it's and to that point as well, Amy. When you start looking at the, I mean, this is a this is a, a credit product. This is a lending product. So the the imprints for your credit history, you know is real if uh, you know checks will be done and those things will be uh, imprints will be made right so whether people really understand that when they're taking some of these things out is uh, is an interesting challenge isn't it but uh, I guess um, maybe sort of looking a little bit to the future Amy starting with you I mean do you think the like say we we sort of saw buy now pay later come onto the market? much more generically didn't we and we talked about it on the show a little bit before in the past where uh, i mean at dfs people have been paying for for sofas for decades with buy now pay later it's just it just wasn't as cool back then was it but do you think the the sort of future of buy now pay later is much more in this sort of hyper niche model like we were describing before or in terms of how organizations are kind of creating specific buy now pay later products for specific slices of of uh, retail or industry
1: yeah i think one interesting way in which it can expand is around its its target audience because there's an awful lot said at the moment around how buy now pay later is for millennials and actually that has massive potential to expand beyond that. I mean, anyone can use a buy now, pay later product, can't they? And anyone can get into it. It's more just that maybe that's the target audience for a lot of these providers marketing at the moment. But where where would they go next? They've had huge success with that particular customer segment. But that could link maybe with um, targeting certain types of products is is what customers you link with those. So say, for example, if it is a, a dentist or paying for dental treatment in installments, you could absolutely expand that beyond a younger target customer audience to to um, a much wider and, and broader spectrum of, of customers.
0: Mm, now, I could see that. I mean, Arad, what, what do you think? What, where do you think the the innovation sort of keep coming from in this space? Do you think it is in those... Uh, uh, you know the the are the numbers sort of significant enough to for the niches to to keep going after those really niche products.
2: So I think the innovation will come from from few places. One is going to be um, broader and more people, as Amy mentioned, not only in the younger population, and more and more adults will will do it, and we already see it in the dentists, as you mentioned. And the second, I think that. The innovation of buy pay letter, Once the, the the provider have the customer, they will want to provide them with more transparent products, like savings products, like maybe um, um, fast money for overdraft protection, like different things like this. That now you may see the new banks are doing, but the buy pay letter uh, providers can also do. And uh, and once they have the customer, they have the app, they can provide it to them.
0: Mm. Tim, I mean, we've covered a few bits in the the sort of regulatory sense, but I mean, we we on the show have, have often sort of seen regulation as a as a bit of a catalyst for for much innovation sort of globally. You know, we've sort of seen the competitive sort of landscape shift because of the the competition mandate of some of the regulators in the uh, the UK and the ripples of that that further field. I mean, do you think the regulation will be a a catalyst for change, a catalyst for, for for innovation in the industry.
3: Yeah, I mean, to an extent, yeah. I, I certainly don't think that it's going to do any harm. The I think the regulation, as it is for credit cards and products like that at the moment, isn't really too onerous. If you are if your your lending culture as a business is responsible lending and a focus on affordability and things like that, then the regulation doesn't really impose too much on on what you can do. But I think there will be certain areas of innovation that come out of that looking at the affordability. And you know, i realize I've said the word affordability, but a <laughs> hundred times so far, but looking at the affordability side, if you think about something like open banking, which makes affordability assessments, a much more thorough and b much faster to do the amount of data, which a customer is giving you access to in order to enable you to do that is significant and unprecedented in terms of uh, financial services APIs. So you can get all of that very quickly. I do think, though, the customers are going to need some incentivization to give that. And I think that they'll need to be compensated. And I think the way that they will get that is through additional services that leverage that data to provide more value uh, to them via those services. So I think touching on what Arid said, more ancillary services provided by BNPL providers, um, just overall being more useful to their customers.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating. And as to your point earlier on around integrations, I mean, actually... I mean, I've, I've argued for quite some time, I think payments is an operating system thing. It's not a uh, it's not a software thing. And actually, to your point where you're, you guys are integrating into, you know, really the browser for, for people, actually being able to carry those things higher and higher up the stack in terms of where it is, uh, maybe that's going to be where we'll start seeing more and more innovation taking place, is, is not just the uh, product manufacturing in terms of which financial instruments is is covered from which regulatory perspective, but the distribution of that as well. I mean, arguably, I think that's what we've seen Probably most in this sense, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we we saw PayPal explode because they were the the button close enough to the uh, to the problem that the customer had. Now that we're seeing it, it happen, we're we're seeing it all happen again in the buy now pay later sense, aren't we? But uh, okay, well, I mean, what we're going to do is talk a little bit more about well, where can this get to? Because, you know, as you say, the, the explosion of, of buy now, pay later is, is uh, really sort of touching pretty much every slice of, uh, of industry at this sense. How far can we really go with this, do you think, guys? I mean, considering we're at a point now where the, you know, the buy now, pay later model is touching pretty much every industry with different models that are happening... I mean do you see buy now pay later being just the default way that payments could be made because it's, it's getting to that point isn't it I mean I I'm, I think the only place I'm not seeing it is supermarkets at this stage and it's can somebody's probably going to put their hand up and say it has happened but uh Amy what do you reckon is this becoming almost the Just pay for it now and work it out later. And if it does, I mean, what the effect does that have on players? You know, big fintech players like Curve, because theoretically that's their model. It's just not with this financial instrument, right?
1: Yeah, I I think quite an interesting big next step, particularly um, in the UK. I know it's kind of started to exist in other countries. Is this idea of using it in physical stores? And actually, I I know a lot of the um, BNPL providers, they now have the ability to generate that virtual card within the app. And yes, you can use that to pay online, but also generating a card that you can use to pay for things in store. And with that then then why not why would it not then become the main payment method if if all of the things for which you can pay for you'd be able to do it with that provider then then it could quite easily become prominent or it could quite easily become the one that that you use all the time
0: yeah and, and almost at that stage it, it's just sort of blends into the background again doesn't it which is you know if you can become the the default if you can become the thing that the customer uses because it's the easiest thing to do that actually gives them the most amount of flexibility i mean that's going to be fascinating isn't it because arguably at that stage is buy now pay later a lending product is it a wallet is it a current account you know it's it's sort of Almost the evolution, really back to what point I was saying earlier on, the evolutionary step within financial products. I guess the the challenge that we've got sometimes is, and it's why I was kind of interested to get everybody's views on the regulatory side of things, is sometimes the regulation slows down the gaps between financial instruments, uh, because the regulator is very good at regulating in the silos of it's a credit card, it's a lending product, it's a current account, it's a savings product. But those things that those services that start to bridge between those things uh, are often the things that really sort of fall down in the gaps. But uh Arid, what do you think? Um Do you think Buy Now Pay Later has the, has the potential to become the default?
2: I definitely think so. Um we are just in the beginning. I mean we hear about it because people raise money and they do uh, they do um, uh, a lot of PR, but when you think about it, it's really, really in the beginning, like less than one percent, two percent of the transaction being by buying open letter. And um I agree with I agree with Amy as the more the technology go, the more people pay, even with the Um, mobile phone right in your card basically you can connect it and 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 do it in in every places in the world whether it's like a physical store or in um, uh, online so i think this is just the beginning and um, we are happy to be in this industry right now
0: very good tim what do you think are we reaching the point where binary later might be the default
3: i think from a technical perspective yeah there's no problem it can easily be used as the default i think it's probably not the best use case of BMPL if people are using it for groceries, things like that. And I think that's not why most people come to BMPL. I think there will always be a level of expenditure, essential expenditure that people have just in as part of their day-to-day existence that they will continue to pay up front for. But where I really see the value of the BMPL is just every expenditure outside of that. So not talking about things like rent, like groceries, but if you're buying shoes, for example, you know, people don't buy shoes mostly, you know, every week. It maybe is a few times a year. Um, and it's these purchases that make your cash flow a little bit more bumpy that BMPL is really good at smoothing that out. So, yeah, technically, no problem. But in reality, I think it, it will probably be like
0: that. I think I'm the exception who buys shoes every week then, but uh, I think the um the, it's interesting because when you sort of say about cash flow management I think you're completely right. And actually, I mean, if I sort of sample size of one, which I know is the worst thing ever to do in the world, Amy, so I apologise in advance of what I'm about to say. But it's like I use credit cards because essentially a credit card for me is just it stays in my bank a month longer than it will go into somebody else's, right? And actually, I guess with, you know, gig economy workers and freelancers and maybe more lumpy earning type careers then you could see a whole range of products that essentially would allow people to to smooth the costs of of being you're just a human in in 2021 and i can see by now having a a really big impact on that in terms of uh really where the industry goes so i do you know what? i don't think we're going to be done with this i don't think this extra hour of uh this conversation is going to be the last time we're going to be talking about it so we'll definitely have to get you guys back to um talk about it a little bit more as the the industry ex, uh, expands and as more and more people start to engage with these products uh but unfortunately we're gonna have to wrap up the show today so uh, thank you so much for joining us guys uh where can people learn a little bit more about you and all the good stuff you're up to at Butter, Tim? Uh,
3: yeah, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, find us on Twitter at PayWithButter uh, and obviously go to our website, butter.co.uk.
0: Very good. Arad, where can we find out a little bit more about you and Sunbit?
2: Sure. Um, it's sunbit.com. That's where we are. You can see on LinkedIn and uh, and on the website and hear what we do. She's, it was great being here.
0: Very good. Amy, uh, what's your social media sort of lurking spot of choice? Where, uh, where can people find you?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is my, uh, that's my social media preference. I'm not much of a tweeter. So yeah, LinkedIn is where you can find out more about me.
0: Very good. And as for me, uh, LinkedIn is for me as well. So you find me over there uh, most of the time, if I'm honest with you. Um, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It super duper helps other people to find the show and the feedback helps us make it better as well. As always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on pretty much every social media channel at this stage, or you can email us on podcasts at 11fs.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye.